0: You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host Rochelle. Today we will discuss the unsolved homicide of Alexander Levin. Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. Um, I'm glad to be back here with all of you. Um, I'm excited to talk true crime and all things spooky and gory. And we are going to cover yet another case from the Netherlands today. Uh, Holland cases are actually few and far between because they truly are a very peaceful people. The crime rate there is extremely low, um, which is astonishing considering Amsterdam is such a big city, which attracts a lot of tourists each and every year. But there was a study carried out in 2019 which said there are only between one to two homicides per 100,000 people each year in Holland, which is, as you know, incredibly, incredibly low. And you also have to take into account that most crimes that are carried out in Holland, particularly in the Amsterdam area, are actually not committed by Dutch residents, but they are rather committed by people visiting <laughs> all the riffraff that comes. Um, today, we will be covering a case about a man who frequently visited Amsterdam for work, and he unfortunately met his untimely end in Amsterdam. The exciting um, Part about this particular case is that while our victim died in 2013, there have been some updates as recent as 2023. So the chances of this case maybe being solved in the near future has greatly increased because authorities have finally released a name. Okay, so before we get into all that, now that I got you hooked, uh, let's take a minute to do a little bit of housekeeping. It's going to be fun. Think like Beauty and the Beast when all the like furniture is singing. (laughs) Maybe if you picture that in your mind, it won't be too hard. Um, If you are not already following me on Instagram at mysterystillinsolved, you should. I promise I'm not annoying. I don't post a lot. I don't do those weird, like, real things where you pretend to talk, but you're not. Um, I don't dance, not because I think they're annoying, but just because I don't really know how. Uh, I just post straight up facts. Um, I post when I release an episode, that way you'll know. And then every once in a blue moon. I will pop in on stories and we'll chat or I'll announce a giveaway or something. And speaking of giveaways, I'm hosting one. For the next week, to celebrate my three-year podcast anniversary, I cannot believe I posted my very first episode three years ago this Saturday, July 15th, 2020. That was the day I decided to release my very first episode. So to celebrate, I want to spoil y'all. Um, everyone who shares or posts about mystery still unsolved will get a free vinyl sticker A free vinyl sticker just for sharing or posting about Mystery Still Unsolved. Make sure you screenshot it and send it to my DMs along with your address or your P.O. box, wherever you would like me to send your sticker. And I'm going to send you one. And then on next week's episode, I'm going to go through my DMs, see who tagged me, see who sent me a little picture saying that they did it. And I'm going to randomly select from those people randomly choose somebody and I'm going to share with them a great reward which is a free mystery still unsolved t-shirt a gruesome coloring book and a deliciously devilish pin so be sure to go to my Instagram at unsolved and enter. I don't want you to miss out. So not only should you tag me in a post or in a story, but make sure you screenshot that baby and send it directly to me at my DMs. Okay? And then you'll be entered to win. And remember what I said, even if you don't win, everybody who does it gets a free vinyl sticker. May I repeat, everyone who just posts or tags me, and then sends me a screenshot of it will get a free mystery still unsolved sticker so take advantage of that okay um if you do not like instagram morally opposed or just like feel like you're too old to be on there same i feel you sometimes i'm just like what am i even doing on here what am i even doing on here um that's okay just go to my website at www.mysterystillunsolved.com if you want to binge all of my episodes, all my three years worth of episodes. Um, you can also go on my site and you can look through my merch. Um, if you don't win, don't worry. You can buy a sticker. You can uh, buy a T-shirt. Um, join the Patreon program if you just cannot get enough and you want more episodes. This month. In the month of July, I'm going to be putting out two bonus episodes to make up for last month, but you will get one bonus episode each and every month at the very least. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes if you're interested in joining and learning all about the perks that joining entails. Um, Edit of last story, someone reached out, which I love when you guys do it. Um, Someone reached out. Her name is Trace on Instagram. Um, I I didn't know if she wanted me to like put out her handle, but her name is Trace. Um, And she sent me some great resources, which have greatly changed my view of last week's episode. So if you remember last week, we were discussing um, Chris Kremers and Leanne Froon, the Dutch tourists who, um, got lost in Panama. And remember we talked about that creepy, creepy male tour guide who went to the host family's house to let them know that the girls had kind of like ditched him and hadn't shown up for their appointment that morning. And I honestly thought that was a little weird. I feel like if I were a tour guide and someone just didn't show up, I would just assume that like, Hey, I guess I don't want to do it. And I would just move on with my day. Unfortunately, But weirdly, he decided that he was going to go to their house and like follow up, which I just think is strange. Um, But I learned through the sources that were sent to me by Trace that this male tour guide, the one that was giving me the heebie-jeebies, there are a lot of sources saying that he was actually the one in the search party to find their remains. Now, personally this changes everything because it's one thing to just interject yourself at the beginning of a case but to continue to interject yourself and then to be not only the one who reported them missing or kind of like made it known that they were missing but then to find their remains in this vast jungle um i do know that they were getting help from the tribe but still like it's a little bit coincidental don't you think don't you think so for me Personally, I'm standing on my Rochelle box um, in my own personal opinion. This completely changes my opinion of the case. It completely changes the trajectory of the way that I think this case should pan out. And I think that it's definitely, he is definitely like my number one person of interest. And if he's not a suspect, I feel like he should be. There's also a couple of other sources saying that shortly after the girl's remains were found, that uh, the creepy male tour guide's two sons died also under kind of like some suspicious circumstances. So, for me, I feel like the case is solved. Perhaps the Panama police, for whatever reason, just doesn't have enough evidence to push this further into the legal system. But for me, winner, winner, chicken dinner, I think we have found our culprit, but You guys let me know what you think. I'm going to post all of the links that Trace sent me um, in my stories and I'll highlight them as well if you um, end up listening to this episode a little bit late. But very fascinating reads. I'm so grateful for them for getting these resources in my um, like realm of curiosity because I literally went through a deep dive looking through all these um so thank you guys so much and I also just want to say and express my appreciation to Trace for being so like kind with her um sharing of sources um thank you because I love having discussions like if I mess up or if I don't include something like I want to know about that. So that way I can share it with all of you. And honestly, you guys, it, it takes a village, you know, like I am not an investigatory journalist. Um, I'm really just kind of like going Based off of all of the things that I'm able to find online and popular articles and articles that come from reputable sources, and so I know every once in a while there's going to be something that slips under the radar, and so I'm so appreciative to all of you guys for not only sharing things that you have seen went um, during your deep dives on these cases, but also sharing them with me in a kind and respectful manner. Shout out to all of you, you guys are the best, and shout out to Trace. I have a glass in my hand raising a toast. Thank you for being one stellar human being and not being a garbage person. You're awesome. (laughs) Okay, we'll stop singing Trace's praises, although we never should, um, because they are great. Um, I'm going to post those links, like I said, in case you want to do a deep dive into these sources that confirm that this is truth. This is not speculation, this is truth. The creepy tour guide was the one that found the remains of Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon. And I'm like, what? Okay. So that's it for housekeeping. Uh, I told you that it wasn't going to be too bad. And if anything, I feel like just the really interesting and fun uh, kind of like surprise that we had with Trace's recommendations and resources um, just kind of spiced up housekeeping. So that definitely made it fun for me. I'm sure it made more fun for you too. Um, so yes, that is it for housekeeping and we are going to get down and dirty into our case today about Alexander Levin. Okay. So on January 30th, 2013, a passerby was walking near the IJ canal across from Central Station. Central Station is the main hub in Amsterdam. If you want to get into Amsterdam via the train, you have to go through there. Um, you have to go through that very station. And if you want to leave and you don't have a car, again, that very station, it's kind of like a portal to another world. It will get you anywhere that you want to go. If you want to go to the Dutch windmills, you're kind of sick of the city, got you covered. Gotta go to that central station though. Belgium, central station's got you covered. France, Czech, Germany, winner, winner, chicken dinner. England, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. And so on and so on and so forth. That's where you gotta go if you want to get anywhere in Amsterdam or anywhere in the Netherlands or anywhere outside of the Netherlands. So, and you don't have a car. So as you can tell. It is a very busy and populated place. There are people coming in and out of there all the time, all the time, even in the middle of the night. There's people coming from the airport, taking that train to Grand Central Station, or not Grand Central Station, (laughs) Central Station, and then people are getting to their Airbnbs or their hotels. So any one of these passerbys may have noticed the bright blue plastic floating in the IJ River. And I'm sure many passerbys do did note that it was there, but wrote it off as meaningless. I mean, it is a big city. Um, Maybe there's garbage floating in the river, or maybe it's just some weird thing that fell off of one of the many boats in the area because there's tons of people that own boats and they are constantly just going through those canals. But one passerby in particular took an interest in this blue object that seemed very much out of place, and they decided that they were going to contact the Netherlands authorities, the Amsterdam authorities. A police officer was sent by boat to retrieve the bright blue parcel. The item was about three by two and a half feet, and like I said, it was completely encased in this bright blue plastic, which was very heavily sealed with packing tape. When removing it from the water, the officer noted that it was heavier than he had anticipated when he reached down for it. He grabbed the parcel and placed it on the deck of his boat, reached into his pocket for a pocket knife, and cut open the parcel. Upon puncturing the intense wrapping job, he then caught the whiff of an all-too-familiar odor in the field of police officers. Yep. Decomposition. Backup was requested, obviously, and soon the IG River by Central Station was swarming with Dutch police officers because inside the bright blue parcel was the torso of a human male. Now, we here in the United States, I feel, have become a little bit desensitized for hearing about human remains floating in bodies of water, not because they're any less awful here than in the U.S., um... Than they are in other countries, but unfortunately, it seems that it's all too common. It's an all too common occurrence, especially if you live in like California or Washington or like one of the coastal cities. I feel like whenever I go on the news, I tur- or turn on the TV, I hear about some body part, some torso being found all the live long day. <laughs> it's honestly horrible. It's like. It's awful. I have to like chuckle to keep from crying, basically. Like this is nervous laughter that's going on right now. Um, But in Holland, like I said, the crime rate is super low. Um, There's only two homicides each and every year per 100,000 people. So U.S. common, Holland, not so much. Um, you might think that this would make the police departments in Amsterdam like unskilled or untrained or underqualified in handling these sorts of situations just because they don't approach them very often. but quite the contrary, they are routinely trained and educated in the preservation of evidence. Um, and so they're doing regular training just you know, for those instances they don't want to mess anything up, which I'm like, can we get that? over here cuz there are way too many mistakes over here that are just like careless error in my opinion. Um so not only was an autopsy performed immediately and properly notated. <laughs> I know that that shouldn't amaze us, but we've been here long enough to know that sometimes a lot of these routine things are not done properly and then they're inadmissible. But the crime scene and the evidence was also handled pristine and well. Now, Where they kind of flubbed up was the DNA. So they did have DNA because they had a human torso and they didn't have much to go off on, but they did have that human torso and they could have tested it right away. However, instead, for whatever reason, they decided to wait eight years to test the DNA that came from the human torso that they acquired. Um, and in January 2021, just a few months after they ran the DNA, they got a hit. Um, So now they knew the name of their victim and they actually knew the name of their victim pretty quickly because it showed up in a database, but they did not release the name until January of this year, January, 2023. And the person who was found, the torso that was found in the river, was 64-year-old Alexander Levin. Alexander Levin was a Russian art dealer who specialized in icons, and his family had ties to the Ukraine. So apparently his family is Russian, but they lived in the Ukraine. The Dutch police didn't want to release the name of Alexander publicly until they were able to inform Alexander's family or next of kin. Unfortunately, Russia and the Ukraine's government is not known, kind of like Panama, they're not known for playing well with others. And after hitting wall after wall after wall, the Dutch police were at a standstill. Then, with the recent war in the Ukraine, it's been even harder to get into contact with people over there as many Ukrainian um, residents have become displaced or they've moved somewhere else altogether to escape the war that's currently going on over there finally just this year the dutch police made the decision to release alexander levin's name in hopes that a family member or a friend would learn about it hear about it and be able to inform the rest of the family who could then contact the um, amsterdam police department Like I mentioned, Alexander was a Russian art dealer. He had been traveling to Amsterdam for work for roughly 36 years. This was not his first rodeo in Amsterdam. He knew the area very well and often referred to the Amsterdam area as a second home. With this in mind, the police knew that it wasn't just a case of being in the wrong place or a sketchy side of town unknowingly, besides the fact that Amsterdam doesn't really have many of those places. I know that some of them exist, but if they did exist, going there on and off for 36 years, Alex would have known, okay, that's a bad area. I'm going to avoid that place. So who may have wanted to harm Alexander? Well, Alexander's career in art hadn't always been squeaky clean. Um, In 1999, he was charged with art smuggling. I'm guessing maybe this is how the police were able to identify him so quickly, sans dental records and sans fingerprints. Maybe when he was sent to jail in 1999 for his um, art crime, um, a sample of his DNA was added to a database over there, and um, that's how they were able to get a hit so quickly. But other than that, it seemed that post the start of the 21st century, Alexander had turned his life around. He didn't get into any more trouble with illicit art activity again, as far as I know. However, the Dutch police are working on a theory that if proven to be true, and that's a big if, if proven to be true, may not cast Alexander in the best light. So currently, the conjecture of the Dutch police department is that it's possible possible that Alex may have gotten involved with either a Russian gang or the Russian Secret Service and was maybe being extorted by one of these agencies. It's unclear why the Amsterdam Police Department are gravitating towards this particular angle, but they seem very convinced. So I'm wondering if there is some sort of like knowledge that we as the public just haven't been made privy to at this time. So far, no members of Alexander's family have reached out to the Dutch authorities, and at the moment, we don't know if this is intentional or not. Maybe they haven't contacted because they are just completely unaware that Alexander's body has been identified and connected to this homicide, or... Maybe they haven't contacted because they don't want to get involved. They're afraid. They know something that we don't know and they are worried about their safety. Um, I do hope for Alexander Levin's sake and his family that they are able to one day learn the truth. um, Not only for their closure, but also to get justice for Alexander Levin because... Regardless of whether he was involved in illicit activity or was being extorted, like, he still deserves justice. Um, As of right now, because we don't have contact with family or friends, we don't even have a picture of Alexander, which makes this whole case even more, like, unreal, surreal, dehumanizing. Like, I can't even put a face to this man's tragic story, which is just unbelievably sad. What happened to Alexander Levin? Was he involved in something sketchy? Or was he involved in something of his own free will? Was he being blackmailed or coerced? Or was this simply unrelated to any sort of Russian gang or secret service affiliation? And Alexander was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person. Did he just piss off the wrong guy? Did he just stumble across this uh, homicidal maniac? Um, it's been 10 years um, since Alexander Levin's torso was found in the IJ River, and I hope that one day, very soon, we will know the truth. Thank you so much for listening today. I love covering some of these lesser known cold cases because they deserve and need just as much coverage. Um, I know they're a little bit shorter just because there's not much information, but I still feel like it deserves to be told. Would you like to learn how to better support this podcast? Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Um, Follow me on Instagram at mysterystillunsolved. Also, pop on over there to learn how to enter my giveaway. Remember, anyone who tags me in an Instagram story or a post and then sends me a screenshot into my dms will get a free vinyl sticker with a mystery still unsolved logo on it and then i will select from those lovely people one lucky person who will win the grand prize of a free mystery still unsolved t-shirt a gruesome coloring book and a deliciously devilish pin Um, I have so many pins. I don't know which one I'm going to send, but they're all morbidly adorable. Uh, To support, you can also go to my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com, where you can either buy your own dang sticker or t-shirt, or you can binge all of my episodes over there. You can also learn a little bit more about me. I have like a little about me section on the site. So if you are new around here and you want to know put a face to the name, the <laughs> put a face to the voice and the name. Um, you can go over there and do that, and um, you can tell a true crime loving friend or family member about me. I would be so honored. And don't feel like you need to limit your referrals to family and friends. You can tell a sanitation worker tell your hairdresser, you gotta be there for a while, so you might as well talk about something interesting, am in I right? Um tell the associate helping you get all the fall scented candles at Bed Bath and Body Bed Bath and Body Works. At Bath and Body Works because in my opinion Halloween starts on July 5th. <laughs> as soon as July 4th is over, I'm like, okay cool. Um apple and pumpkin spice everything please. Um, You can tell the dude giving you a hot dog on a stick at the food court. I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know about mysteries still unsolved. But the best way to support this podcast is and will always be to join me next week when together we'll discover, did anyone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?